Thank you, worship team, for leading us in that time of praise to our Lord through music. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you have your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As you're turning there, let me say a couple things to you, just some praise. We've been praying for a couple of events that took place last week. One was our uh, dental outreach um, ministry assessment time, all those who are going to take part in the uh, service that uh, we're going to provide uh, for free dental care. Uh, had to be assessed and given an appointment uh, last Tuesday, so we prayed over that time, and we had um, every appointment for that week of the 29th through the 12th is filled up. And so praise the Lord for that. Thankful for every volunteer that worked in that. Also, yesterday, our women had an event yesterday morning. There was um, probably close to 200 women here just uh, kind of looking at the sanctuary yesterday when I stopped by. And uh, it was a powerful time, great time of worship, great time in the Word. Uh, Tara Dew brought a word from the Lord uh, for the women who were gathered there. It was an impactful event. Uh, there's testimonies of how God worked in people. I'm thankful for our women's ministry team. I'm thankful for Jennifer and her leadership there. I'm thankful for every member on that team. Uh, I'll try to name them again. Uh, Chelsea Bush, Anita Young. Um, boy, I'm drawing a blank now. No, don't tell me. I'm going to guess it here in a minute. Tell me. <clears throat> oh, yes, Hannah Strickland. How could I forget Hannah? And Stacy Berry, Angela Clemens. Yeah, so I'm thankful for all of those women and how God used them and, and just everybody. And Miss Jan Whitcomb. Sorry, Miss Jan. How could I forget Miss Jan? And so we're just grateful for their service, their leadership in this. And um, it was just a powerful day. And so I'm very grateful for that. And I just say a testimony of praise today for what God did uh, in, that, in that event. And so I'm um, thankful for your prayers. And I'm more, more thankful for how God answered and worked in a great way. I don't know if I can say anything else and add to what Brother Bobby has already said and Miss Deanne about sanctity of life, I think we all agree that every child is precious, every life is from God, every person is made in the image of God, and I am thankful for that. And so we stand for life, uh, and we need to do that in our loving testimony to others and our example, and then in just stepping up and meeting needs in the lives of children, even adopting uh, children that are that are unwanted, and so I, I think the church has been doing that for centuries, and so we need to step up and minister in those areas also. I will say to you that we um, need to understand how to address this issue, and we'll talk more about that as the year goes on, because as we face an election this fall, you can go ahead and mark it down. That's going to be part of what's talked about uh, in the presidential election this year, and so we need to be uh, in much prayer about that. Well, I'm going to ask you to pray with me, and we're going to ask the Lord to speak to us as we open the Word of God. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time that we've had to sing praise to you. I'm thankful for your presence here. I'm thankful for everyone you've brought here, all those you brought in the last service as well. I love my church family. I thank you, Lord, for 
loving us the way you do. We cannot be separated from your love. And Lord, today, Father, I believe you've placed a subject upon my heart that you desire to be talked about today. And so I ask you to give me clarity of mind and clarity in speech to be able to deliver this truth. I'm not able to on my own. I need the ability that you supply. And I ask you to remove distractions, captivate our attention, and give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'll be going other places in the, the Bible today. But I want to talk about the responsibilities of faithful church members. The first Sunday of this new year, I talked about how we're to desire the Word of God, how we're to crave the Word of God. And then I talked last week about being devoted to prayer. Those two things together help us grow in the Lord. They help us get to know the Lord and increase in our intimacy with Him. It's impossible to do that apart from being nourished daily in the Word, being involved in prayer. But I've also felt deeply and strongly led to speak on the responsibilities of church members. I think it's vitally important for us to understand what it means to be a church member. It means much more than just having our name on a membership role in a local body. I have, um, uh, over, the, over the years, had interactions with people, and I'll talk with them, and, and my, my goal is to see where they stand spiritually and, and uh, hopefully have a gospel conversation with them. And so as we talk about their involvement in spiritual things, you know, we'll ask about, you know, do you have a church home? Are you a member somewhere? And they'll say, yeah, I'm a member at so-and-so. They'll name a church, and then as we talk further, they cannot even tell me who the pastor of that church is. And that's because it's been so long since they've been there. But they consider themselves a member simply because their name is recorded on the membership rolls of that church. Well, there's much more to being a church member than that. There are those who attend church and they're members on a roll and they attend with some regularity. But they don't really get involved in the deeper life of the church. What they do, namely, is come and occupy a seat, and as soon as the service is over, they quickly kind of navigate themselves out of the building, and they get to their car, and they move on, but yet they would consider themselves a church member. But being a church member consists of so much more than just occupying a seat on a regular basis. There are others who, they are more deeply involved in the life of the church. They do come, they've built some relationships, they, they have interaction when they arrive, but they will not commit to any areas of service within the church. And they don't do that because they kind of want to keep their schedule flexible and free so that if something happens to pop up last minute, then they'll go do that because they think that's better than, than going to church uh, you know, all the time. And so they just will not commit themselves to any deep level of involvement in service. And let me say to you, there's much more to being a church member than that. I think we need to understand clearly what the Word of God says, the responsibilities of members of the local body of believers uh, really is. I think there's much more than we recognize. Now, I think we'd all agree to this, and every pastor agrees with this, we live in a day of commitment phobia. People will not commit 
to anything. Now, what is commitment phobia? Commitment phobia is the fear that promising to do something good may cause one to miss out on something better. <laughs> well, let me say to you, if we are involved in the things of God, there is nothing better. We've involved ourselves in the best. I uh, saw some research on the commitment levels of uh, professing Christians. Barna has done some research on that. And Barna says that only 43% of professing Christians say that they are absolutely committed to their faith. So less than half of professing Christians say that they are not absolutely committed, or less than half say that they are. Over half say that they're not absolutely committed to the Christian faith. Well, let me just tell you something about that. That is absolutely unbiblical. It, is, it flies in the face of New Testament Christianity. Because here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, those who desire to come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. That's what he said. Now, to deny oneself means that I never am to put my desires above the commands of God. I'm never to put my desires above the lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. To take up my cross means that I die to self, and Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. That's what happens at repentance. At repentance, we turn away from sin, and we surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior. He's not only our Savior, He is our Lord. Romans 9, 10 or 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice the Word of God says we confess Him Lord. There's a recognition that when we surrender to Him, we're turning away from sin and self. We're surrendering to Him as Savior and Lord of our lives to follow Him, which means we are to be absolutely devoted to the faith, absolutely committed to Him. God's plan for us is that those He saves, the people on the earth that He saves, they will be the church. They will be the gathered ones. And these people will gather together in local congregations, and they will manifest the presence of God to the community. They will be the hands and feet of Jesus in that community, and He will work through that local body of believers to impact the people of that community and beyond that community. And together in that community of believers, they will grow up together in Christ-likeness. That is the plan and purpose of God for His church. A person becomes a member of the church through redemption, through salvation. When a person is saved, they become part of the church universal. That is, they become part of a family that extends all over the world. People from every walk of life, every nationality, every ethnic background, every uh, uh, educational level, every uh, economic background, people from all over are brothers and sisters in Christ adopted into the family of God. When they were regenerated, when they were saved, the Holy Spirit came to live within them. And we are linked together for eternity 
because of this redemption. <clears throat> and we're part of this church universal. But God's plan is for us to be involved in the local church. Matter of fact, the great majority of the time the word church is used in the scripture, it refers to a local body of believers. And so it's important for us to be a part of a local church. When we are part of a local church, that membership, that identification with the church identifies us as a genuine believer. It is unfathomable for a New Testament Christian to not be linked to a local church. When we are part of a local church, it is, it's one of the forms of identification that we belong to Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and the saints, with the saints, and members of the household of God. Going to church does not save people, but save people go to church. It's that simple. But also, this identification with a local church, this membership provides a spiritual family to support and encourage and even bring correction in our walk with Christ, the Scripture says. Membership in a body of believers puts oneself under the protection of godly spiritual leaders that are, uh, have certain charge over the soul, that is, they're to, to help guide you into the spiritual matters through the feeding of the Word of God to the, to the flock of God. We see that in Scripture in places like Acts 20, verse 28 and 29, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. Membership also provides accountability, love, and direction so we can grow. And membership allows us to discover our giftedness in Christ and helps us implement it, that we might fulfill the purpose that God has for us. It is vital that we're part of a local church. Now look with me in the Scripture today, and I want to read some select verses uh, like I did in last service. Ava, are you still back there? So you know what to do then, don't you? I'm going to kind of skip through some of this on um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But here's what the Word of God says, beginning in verse 12, the Apostle Paul addressing the church at Corinth said this, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ, or the body of Christ. I think that's an abbreviation for the body of Christ right there. Something he says in full in verse 27. Now, how is it that we come to be part of this body? Verse 13 says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. It's because when regeneration took place and the Spirit of God was, uh, was regenerating the people of God at the new birth, we were baptized with the Spirit of God and we became part of the body of Christ. Verse 14, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Now look down in verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. Verse 27, and you are the body of Christ and members individually. Now, this message this morning has a main idea, 
And the main idea is this. God desires his people to be faithful members of a local church, and there are clear responsibilities in the Scripture for church members. Now, in 1 Corinthians, I'm not going to give us an exposition of that text. I went there for a purpose, and I'll get to that here in just a moment. But let me give you a little background on what was happening here in Corinth. There was division in the Corinthian church. There was a couple of reasons for that. But one of the reasons is that they were elevating certain spiritual gifts and thinking themselves superior if they had those gifts, and they looked down on others. They would also look down on others because maybe the haves look down on the have-nots in that church. And what Paul was saying here is that every person that makes up a local church is part of a body, uh, makes a difference, and is vitally important for the functioning of that body. That's what he's communicating in these verses, and I just uh, just read to you some select verses out of a larger passage there where he's teaching these things. Matter of fact, over in chapter 12, verse 7, he says that, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. That is, he's given a manifestation of the Spirit, a spiritual gift to everyone within the body for the profit of everyone else. We profit from each other's gifts. You profit from mine, I profit from yours as we fellowship together and we minister together and we worship together and we serve together. We're building each other up. Everyone is important for that purpose of that process that God has for his church. Now, to be identified with a local church is something that is essential for the child of God. To not be would be foreign to the New Testament's teaching. It's like a member of the body, your physical body, trying to survive on its own without the rest of the body. Can you imagine like an an eye just kind of sitting out there? I mean, what's going to happen to that? What about a finger just decides to want to go rogue and just leave the body? I mean, what's it going to do? Just going to flip around on the ground. (laughs) Really, it's not going to do anything once it's severed from the body. I'm going to just tell you this. We need every member gifted as they're gifted to accomplish the purposes and plan and work that God has called us to do. It's like the human body. It takes a lot of different factors going on for a human body to do some purpose. Brain sending messages and there's, there's, um, you know, nerves and there's ligaments and muscles and all that that's reacting to all of that. Uh, I was telling the last service that Ellis and I moved 136 chairs from across the street to the activity center Friday afternoon for the women's event. Let me tell you, it took a lot of different functions within the body for two old men to do that. Let me tell you how I know that. Because I got parts of me that hurt today that I didn't know was necessary to lift chairs and haul chairs. (laughs) If I drop these keys on the ground... And then I say to myself, I'm going to pick these up. You know, my mind has to process all that. I'm seeing it with my eyes. I'm seeing the location. Messages are going everywhere. They're sending signals to walk over here to this and and bend down and pick up these keys and put them back in my pocket. There was a lot of processes that went into effect that do that. Every member, everything, you know, you let one thing go wrong there and it hinders that purpose from being 
accomplished. So the whole body has a purpose. And we identify together and we serve together to accomplish the work of the Lord. Now, sometimes people will say, well, look, you know, I'm going to attend a church, but I'm not going to join. I'm just not going to join. When, when a person joins, here's what, here's what they're saying. They're just saying, they're making a, a commitment and they're making a statement and they are, uh, they are uh, submitting themselves to the Lord to say, I am committing to fulfill my responsibilities as a church member. That's what joining a church does. It's, just, it's a public statement in, in doing that. I'm understanding my responsibilities and I will, I will fulfill them. Well, what are some of those responsibilities? Well, let me show you seven and I'm going to go through them fairly quickly. So hang on. Buckle your pew belt. The first one is this, very simple. Faithful church members are devoted to the church. I just got through describing this body metaphor from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and following. The Bible tells us in verse 27 that we're the body of Christ. And just understanding that metaphor and what that communicates lets me know that an application for me is to be devoted to the body of Christ. If all those things are true about the church, which they are, I need to be devoted to my local church. Uh, it's to be important to me. And the first step in being devoted and caring for the local church is our attendance. I mean, that's, that's one of the most simple things that a Christian does is attend church. But there should be this attendance uh, to church. It's this gathering for interaction that allows us to use our gifts, that allows us to benefit from each other's gifts and, 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 and build each other up. And the more members who attend and the deeper their involvement, the deeper their interaction with one another, the stronger we become as the people of God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. So we are to consider one another so that we can uh, stir up one another or motivate one another to love and good works. Now, love is absolutely central to the Christian life. Learning to love each other the way we're called to, it is... It is a central manifestation of the Holy Spirit's presence in the life of a person. The first fruit of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 is love. Matter of fact, it is the Spirit of God in us that empowers us to love beyond human capabilities. John teaches us in 1 John 3 and 4 that the assurance of salvation, one of the markers of it is our love for one another. It's that important. Matter of fact, it is the culture in which the church grows. When there is not a culture of love in the church, it hinders growth. I'm going to show you that in these texts here uh, in, in just a minute. We're to cultivate that as we meet together. 
And we're to cultivate and encourage one, motivate one another to love and good work. So what does that mean for me? That means it's important for me to be here. So in our travels, you know, we should think about, is it possible for us to maybe get back for church on Sundays? I know that's not the most convenient thing to do sometimes, but it's something we need to deeply consider. Um, we, should, we should steer clear of things and events and activities in the life of the family that takes us out of church on a consistent basis. You may say, well, wait a minute now. I don't, I don't know about that. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with what I do. I'm not saying there's something wrong with a certain activity, but if it takes me out of church on a regular basis, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, that should be an alert to us because what we should do is we should make God the priority of our lives. And one of the most simple expressions of He being the priority of our life is to gather together with the people of God. Our children are impacted by that. It will be etched on their minds and hearts the importance of God when we make church important. I was thinking of Brother Bruce Christmas this past week and, and how I love Mr. Bruce and miss him. Mr. Bruce, um, for many years, served in our church as a deacon and choir member, served in many other capacities. He and Miss Addie Ann taught a young couples class for many, many years. Many of those young couples they taught way back there are not young anymore. <laughs> many of you were impacted deeply by them. You know, Mr. Bruce is an avid gator. He graduated from the University of Florida with a PhD, and he would love to go to gator games. And so if he went to an afternoon game, what Mr. Bruce would do is he would drive home that night so he could be at church the next day for his responsibilities. If he went to a night game, he would get up early in the morning in Gainesville, and he would drive into Chipley so he could be here for, in time for Sunday school to start. Many of us were impacted by him and his example. He felt it was important enough to do that. What we would consider an inconvenience today, he would do that because he understood the importance of being here and impacting people's lives. Faithful church members understand we're to be devoted to this body of believers. But secondly, faithful church members love others. Now look with me in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, the Word of God says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. That calling there speaks of our salvation. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Notice that love also fosters unity in the body of Christ. Now, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, he's been teaching on the doctrine of salvation. And in chapters four through six, he teaches on how to live once you're saved. In chapter four, he talks about involvement in church. That's what verses 11 through 16 are teaching. What's being taught there actually happens in the context of the local body of believers. But notice the first thing he talks about that should be indicative of those who are saved, and that is that they should love each other. There should be a gentleness with one another, a long-suffering with each other. We should bear with each other even when we are offended and hurt by others. 
We go on loving them and we forgive them. It means that we put to death anger and jealousy and envy and maliciousness. It means we do not speak evil against one another. It means that we honor each other. It means that we recognize the spiritual giftedness and value of each person within the body of believers. And so we are to love one another like that, encourage each other like that, because that honors the Lord and glorifies Him, and it creates that culture so that people can grow up in the Lord. Faithful church members are to love others. A third thing, faithful church members are to grow. Faithful church members grow. That's what verses 13 through 16 is teaching. There's a responsibility that we have to grow. That's God's goal for the church, for us to grow. And I want you to see that we're to grow together. So to be outside of the body of Christ and ignoring fellowship and deep involvement in the church hinders a person's growth. Now, look with me in these verses. I'm going to go ahead and pick up reading in verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And here's the goal that's to happen, that the church is being built up. What are we being built up to? Well, that speaks of spiritual and numerical growth. But we see the spiritual growth in these next verses. Verse 3 says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of, man, uh, Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What he's saying is we're growing up into the image of Christ. To be unified in the faith means that we understand Christian doctrine. We understand also a knowledge of Christ. See, we learn about Christ through His Word. And, and as we do that and we're seeking Him, we grow in a closeness and intimacy with Jesus. And here's what happens. We become more like Him. And we're protected from straying away. See, sometimes unbelief will creep into our lives, and many times that unbelief... Now, we're all going to doubt at times, but sometimes that unbelief is a result of a lack of intimacy with Christ. Because you see, when you, when you grow up into the fullness of Christ, look what verse 14 says, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. That is, when a new doctrine comes along, whether it's, you know, somebody's teaching it or wrote, written a book or it's on TikTok or whatever, and, and people just begin to just go after it. That they've been tricked and they go after it. But if you know you have an intimacy with Jesus and you've grown up in the faith, you don't do that. Then he goes on to say, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So we don't get carried away by those things. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. We're growing in, into Christ. How are we doing it? By the truth of God. It's the truth of God that helps us grow. And finally, look at verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together 
by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, listen, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. What's one of the causes of growth? Our coming together, our, our linking together, everybody doing their share, that's one of the things that causes growth. Now, ultimately, it's Christ, our head, who brings about the growth. He gives the power for that growth. But part of what he does is he uses our linking together, our serving one another, our fellowship with each other, the truth of God that we're hearing and applying to grow us up to look like Jesus. And notice the last phrase of verse 16. What's the culture this happens in? Love. Happens in love. So church members want to guard that process. They want to grow in the Lord themselves, exercising their spiritual disciplines, being a part of church, and then, and then guarding that, that process that God has in growing His church. And when we start looking like Jesus, I'll tell you what happens. We start glorifying God in the community. And you start glorifying God in the community, people are going to get saved. Do you know that? Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12 tells us that we're to have our conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that even when they speak evil of us, and they will, people who are consumed with the world speak evil of the people of God. You know that. But what happens when we walk consistently is they begin to see our good conduct and they, and it, and they glorify God. I, I believe that's an indication that they have surrendered their life to the Lord and glorify Him. We have a responsibility to grow. So if we're not growing in our walk with God, we're not really fulfilling a responsibility of being a church member. A fourth thing, and I'll move in more quickly now, faithful church members work to edify the church. So you have those who are called to be pastors and teachers, and they teach the Word of God so that the saints, that's all the people of God, are equipped for the work of ministry. Pastors are not the only ones who do the ministry. Everybody does the ministry. And everybody doing the ministry causes the body of Christ to be edified or, or built up. So that means everybody should be serving. We should be using our spiritual gifts. We should be... And, and let me just tell you this. This, is, this took me a while to catch this over the years. But do you know that I can use my spiritual gift... Uh, if I come to church on a regular basis and I have a deep level of involvement in people's lives and I kind of join in and do the ministry of the church with people, do you know that I can exercise my spiritual gifts in that way and build people up? You know, you got certain people in certain connect groups and that fellowship they have together, just doing life and encouraging one another in the Lord and doing ministry together, do you know that group of fellowship actually helps you use your spiritual gift to impact somebody else's life. Plus, there are specific ministries, and there's, there's plenty of them for us to be involved in. So it means we serve like that, but it also means that we evangelize the lost. Together, we're all being witnesses for Christ in our community. 
And the result of that is the church is edified, it's built up. And that's the responsibility of every church member. A fifth thing is faithful church members give. And there's several passages of Scripture I have here that they give. You know, you know God doesn't need your money. Did you know that? By the way, it ain't your money. <laughs> it's His to begin with. It's not mine. It's His. But God owns everything. God gives to us. He entrusts us with a stewardship. And those who are good stewards, He will entrust more. Those who are poor stewards are always going to struggle. But part of our stewardship is to give to kingdom work. And so God requires us to give because it's a sign of who we're really devoted to. We can tell a lot about how devoted we are to the Lord by what we give financially to the kingdom of God. And that's, that's just the bottom line. And so as an act of worship, we give for the glory of God, recognizing that He is Lord. When Remember Zacchaeus, the wee little man? A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree with the Lord he wanted to see. You remember what happened to him once he had that encounter with Christ? He wanted to go return everything he had cheated people on. He was wanting to be generous at that point, make things right. See, when a person gets changed, they become generous. When Jesus moves in here, then we become generous. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45, the first century church were giving of what they had to meet needs in the church. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15, Paul taught sacrificial giving among the people of God. Uh, Malachi, the prophet Malachi, was addressing the people of Israel, and they were not being faithful to the Lord. And they were saying, okay, well, how are we to be faithful? And why, why are you saying we're not faithful? And God through Malachi says, well, here's how you can start being faithful. Uh, quit robbing me of tithes and offerings. And he said, if you'll trust me, test me in this, actually is what he said, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on you you don't have room enough to receive. It reminds me of Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 that says, Honor the Lord with your possessions so your barns will be filled with plenty. The Lord Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. Faithful church members take responsibility for their local body, and they invest in the kingdom of God through the local church financially. A sixth thing is faithful church members pray. Acts 2.42 says that the first century believers were devoted to prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 uh, says pray without ceasing. I talked much about this last week, so I won't uh, linger here long let me say to you that if we're a faithful church member, then we pray for our church. We pray for leadership. We pray for one another. We pray for our mission. Every day I pray for this church. Many days I pray specifically for numbers of people in this congregation. When you look at the Word of God, Paul prayed for the church without ceasing, he said. 
It makes a difference when God's people pray. And because we love Jesus and because we love our church family, then we pray. And finally, faithful church members glorify God in the church. Look at verse 21 of chapter 3 in the book of Ephesians. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Everybody pursuing Jesus, pursuing holiness, every one of us serving the way we're called to serve, every one of us witnessing, every one of us having God-glorifying marriages and friendships and conduct, everyone doing our part, God is glorified through His church. Let me just say something to you. There's no such thing as a perfect church. You know that? (laughs) There's not. Uh, No church I'm going to be a part of is going to be perfect because if I'm part of it, it's not going to be perfect. I'll tell you that. But the fact is, if we just die to ourselves and start living for the Lord, then we will glorify God collectively as a church. And I'm telling you, it'll make a difference in the community. It'll make a difference in a region when the people of God are glorifying Him. So let me ask you this. Are you a God-glorifying church member? We have a responsibility as a church member. And we must do them for the glory of God. For us to actually become a member of the church, we first of all need to be a member of the church universal. We need to know the Lord as our Savior. That's when we come to the recognition that Apart from God's deliverance, we're hopelessly lost in our sin and worthy of the wrath of God. And we need Him to deliver us. And we believe that Jesus did come and live and die and rise again to satisfy God's justice toward our sin. And we're willing to turn to Him and away from our sin and trust Him to be Lord and Savior of our lives. And when that happens in faith, a conversion happens and we become a new creation in Jesus Christ. Old things pass away. All things become new. We're a child of God. And we're to be highly involved then in the life of the local church. Maybe today, first step for some of you is to give your life to Jesus. And be saved, and we'll help you pray with you about that. If you'll, when we stand to sing, just come meet me down front and say, I, I need Jesus as my Savior. For many of us, we're saved people. We just need to reflect for a moment. Am I, am I fulfilling my responsibilities? Am I, am, I really, am I really devoted to the body of believers as I should be? Am I loving as I should? Am I growing? Am I edifying, serving? Am I giving? Am I praying? Am I glorifying Him? And maybe we just need to do some business with God today so that we, we do this. And maybe some need to join today. You feel like, hey, I want to I make that step and say, look, I'm, I'm going to identify with this body of believers and I want to fulfill my responsibilities and 
I want to be a blessing to this body of believers. I believe every person God brings here is essential for our mission that God's given to us. So let's obey Him. Heavenly Father, thank You, Lord, for the Word of God. Thank You for the challenge of the Word, the instruction of the Word. Now help us to be faithful to apply it. Please, I pray, Lord, everyone receive this well in the right spirit. And I pray now, Lord, we will know what to do with it. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please.